I was about 17 years old, and I got into a job that I had no business. I was 18 years old. I had got into a job that I had no business going into. I hated the job the first minute I was there. I hated the job when I left. When I quit two weeks later, I hated the job. It was a terrible job. I'm not going to tell you what job it is, because then you'll think it's deme- I don't want to demean any particular job. But I knew that once I got in this job, this was a terrible job. It was a horrible job. And I've, you know, and I've had terrible and horrible jobs. But this one was particularly terrible and horrible because it wasn't what I was made for. It wasn't what I was made for. It was different um, than what I was made for. Because the fact is, each one of us know if there's something that we're not made for, it doesn't click with us. It doesn't make sense to us that we were created. Listen to the words that I just used. We're not an accident. We are not the byproduct of a series of uh, unintelligent events that eventually brought us here. We were created, created for a purpose. And the times that I've been in most despair is when I lost sight of that purpose. And when I stopped looking at the purpose of which God made me for. Now, every one of us has a purpose. Every one of us has what the Bible calls a call. A call. Isn't that a great because when you call, you're, you're, you're shouting to someone. You're, you're calling someone. You're, you're making an effort. Like if you call on the phone, or if, you're, if you were brought up in my neighborhood, if you called out the window, there was no phones, evidently. We just said, Mita! You, did you grow up in that neighborhood too? Yeah. yeah, a few of you. Yeah, yeah. So if no matter what, if you're being called, you're usually being called for something. In, in, the, in the illustration I just gave, you called to come downstairs and open the door. What if, what if, what if God created you and has a call for you, but it's a call for your life? What if God gave you the eye color that you have? What if he gave you the height that you now have? What if he gave you the voice that you now have? What if he gave you the painful trauma that you've experienced in life? All in an effort to lead you to this call, this thing that you were born to do. What if he used every single moment, tears and laughter included, every single moment of your life to express, to guide, to instruct you in that call. Today, what we're going to do in this very last week, the very last Sunday of this year, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a man who was called by God. And we're going to see some similarities in his call and what's common for all of us. We're going to go to the Old Testament, to some of the most powerful people in the Old Testament. His 
He's found in 1 Kings. His name is Elisha. Somebody say Elisha. Elisha was an apprentice to Elijah. That's Elijah with a J. And we're going to see how Elisha's call not only changed his life, but changed the lives of others. We're going to see a very brief passage of his call and what his struggles were and how he responded to God. But here's the deal. Guys, listen, I don't want you to lose focus. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, I want you to know that you have a call from God. And that your call is not to come to a Sunday service to listen to another man who's living out his call and then feel good or bad about how you live your life. That is not your call. Your call is to serve God with your brokenness, with who you are and how God made you. Your call is not to live for yourself. You've done too much of that already. Your call is given by God. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit, even now, will be speaking to you. And he'll be redirecting you. Some of you, you've been running away from your call for years. God is going to lasso you back. For others of you, you had no idea and you can't wait. For others of you, you're not even a Christian. And God is calling you to himself. And for others of you, you want nothing to do with God, to which I'll say, listen to how God not only creates, but how God calls and gives purpose. It's a beautiful thing. Our passage is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, before we read the passage, I want to tell you, I have to tell you the backstory behind it. Elijah, not Elisha, but Elijah, was called by God. We don't, um, we don't see his calling. He just jumps on at the scene. He confronts the most powerful king in all of the world, in all of the kingdom. So he confronts him and he says, you have so turned from God, you have so turned the people from God, you and your wife have, that it's not, God is not going to allow it to reign. Now, That is a significant threat. The reason that that's a significant threat is because the God that they turned to was the God of fertility. Now, that God didn't just have connotations of, like, sexual fertility, but fertility, like, you know, the the ground would produce, you know, like, uh, you would produce babies, but the ground would produce uh, 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 crops so that you could be very... uh, profitable, and everybody would be successful. So God was going to the heart of this God, Baal. By the way, if you're running from God, quick, quick little side note, God will go after your idols. God will go after your idols. And that means some of the things that you love the most, that you think that you can't do without, that if it ever left you, you would die. If you're running from God... God is coming after those. It's a side note. Because we're not talking about Elijah. We're going to be talking about Elisha, but I have to give you Elijah's story. Elijah goes out, and he, he um, challenges Ahab after three years of being on the land because the king wanted him killed after that proclamation. 
He hides out for three years, then gives out a challenge to the king, King Ahab, and he says, meet me at uh, the top of a particular mountain, and we'll see whose God responds to who. So there was these hundreds and hundreds of prophets of Baal, and it's just Elijah. He meets. Could you imagine this? I don't know. Have you ever been um, told, this is the scariest words in the whole world, all right? I'm going to share with you the scariest words in the whole world. I'll see you outside at three. (laughs) Did you ever experience that? Scariest words in the whole world. Holy cow. Because people don't tell you that unless they know they can beat you up, right? They don't tell bullies that. They don't. So if you ever heard that, it's like, ah, I can't meet you outside at three. Um, So Elijah basically says three o'clock outside to Ahab. And Ahab says, yeah, brings his whole posse. Four, 800 of these idol worshipers, they, they say, and they say this, simply this. Hey, listen, whosoever God um, takes up uh, the offering, that's whose God is God. Elijah um, says, you guys go first. And they do from morning till noon till night. And they cry out to God and their God does nothing. They start to cut themselves to get that God to respond. Baal, he doesn't respond. Then... Um, Elisha comes up, literally has his um, animals cut, and then he goes and he says this. He says, God, do what only you can do. I've done what I can do. Now do what only you can do. Because in the end, for those who are called, they do all that they can do, but then they have to wait on God to do what only God can do. He goes, God, do it. And fire erupts from beneath. Oh, by the way, I forgot. When um, Elijah cut the animal up to be sacrificed, he poured water over it. Now, that's significant for a couple of reasons. Number one, water was a scarcity because it hadn't rained for three years. That's how sure he was that God was going to do something. Then the fire started from under the, the offering. Started to burn up the water and, the, and started to burn up the wood and, and they're wet and the animal. Then fire comes from heaven. <sighs> Sucks it all up. The people turn from their false God and they turn to the true God because God is true and God is so much better than the things that you're hoping will be in your life. God is so much better than that lover. God is so much better. God is so much better than that money. God is so much better than that promise of your, of your dream coming true. God is so much better than that. And so it consumes it. Everybody turns to the one true God. Elijah, blown away, marvels at God, then goes into a massive depression. He's threatened. And only if you've done great things for God do you understand this, or if you've attempted to do great things for God. The times that I've gone into some of my darkest moments are the times after my greatest victories. It's just been my story. And so he goes, and and God, God asks Elijah a question that I just wept over yesterday. I didn't see it. I didn't see it up until yesterday. He goes, what are you doing here, Elijah? There's a question you should should hear God ask you. What on earth are you doing here? Maybe the next time you're running away from God, you'll hear that from his lips. What on earth 
are you doing here? Maybe God can ask you that now. What are you doing here? Elijah complains to God, shares with him his depression. God speaks to Elijah in the silence. Isn't that incredible? First, God, um, he tells Elijah to go outside the cave that he's in, and God speaks to him. And he goes, and Elijah first experiences the earth, the wind, and the fire. You thought that was just the band, but eventually, uh, that's what God, um, that's what uh, Elijah heard. He, He heard an earthquake, the wind howl, and fire, and, and then God came. In your, in, your, um, in your Bibles, it says in a whisper, but it's actually God came in the silence. God comes in the quiet. And so he speaks to Elijah. Then Elijah, after hearing from God, God says again, what are you doing here? And, he, and, and Elijah gives him his uh, depressing account of everything that's happened to him. And then God gives him a job. First, God gives him a time to spend with him. And then God gives him a duty to accomplish. Because long before God gives you what you need to do, God calls you to who you need to be. And what you need to be is with the king of the universe. After God tells him, he says, I want you to anoint three people. One of them is Elisha, whose story we're going to pick up right now. God tells him, I want you to anoint him, and then I want you to see. But now, let me just say this. For those of you who are already in ministry, and you sense God's call, I want you to know a couple of things. One is that it's okay if you're feeling a little discouraged. It's okay if you're feeling like God has let you down. If you're not where you wish you would be if things aren't going the way you wish they would have. God never rebukes Elijah. Second thing I want you to know is that everyone, even the great, this is, we're talking about the greatest prophet that ever lived. This is the prophet who would come from heaven. Remember when Jesus, um, in the transfiguration, where his, uh, his uh, clothes turn to white and he's on the mountain. And who comes down? Who comes down? Moses and who else? That's this guy. This guy who will not taste death, but God will actually take him up. This guy was discouraged. You think discouragement's going to happen to you? Of course it is. Listen to me. Every one of us needs to be renewed. Everyone needs, every one of us needs to have our calls reinvigorated. God does that. He did that for Elijah. Okay, now that was just the setting. Now we get to our hero and get to talk about God's call within Elijah's uh, life. But here's what I want you to know. Listen to me. Listen to me. God is going to call you to be and God is going to call you to do. But you were created for a purpose. A purpose that is Unless you start living according to that purpose, you'll just be living a shell of yourself. You'll be living a shell of an existence. And I don't want that for you. I don't want you to wait till the end of your life to go, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I want you to start living that now so you put the big ear on because we're talking about the purpose of your existence. 
1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. Would you stand with me at the reading of God's word? We stand because God is awesome. First Kings 19, 19 through 21. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him. And went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his what? Wow. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Okay, so do you remember the the background, right? You remember the background story. So Elijah goes, walks. 150 miles from where God spoke to him to meet Elisha here. And it says in verse 19, so Elijah went from there, Horeb. By the way, that's also the same mountain where God met Moses. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Why is this important? This is important. Look at me. Look at me. We're talking about a call, and there's some obstacles to some calls that we're going to talk about, and I think that God deals with it powerfully. Number one, we find out that Elijah, I'm sorry, Elisha, Elisha was rich. He was rich. He had 12 yoke of oxen that he was plowing with. That's 24 oxen. If you have 24 ox, oxen, you are a pretty wealthy dude. Nobody is, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. That means he had servants driving the other oxen. So he's breaking up this ground, and Elijah sees Elisha, and he sees this wealthy, wealthy dude, but he's going to do what God calls him to do. And what does he do? He comes up to this very wealthy guy. He, he must have had status. The entire community, he must have been one of the wealthiest people around in that community. He's, he's the one who's driving in the, the Bentley. He's the one who can wake up at 11 o'clock in the morning because there's, everything is on his time. He's the one who has this future figured out. Oh, I know. I'm going to go into the, uh, the, my parents' business. It's no big deal. I'm going to go into the family business. My story is already written for me. My father, he's a farmer. He's very wealthy. He's going to inherit it to me. I'm a farmer. I'll be very wealthy. I'm going to live a life of ease and leisure. My entire life has been laid out before me. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And it's at that point that God has other plans for his life. You know that God could meet you in that same way? No, 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 no. I, you don't understand. I have a union job. Everything is going well. The business is thriving. Everything is going. And God goes, ta 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 One second, please. I have another idea. God comes to him. And then God 
in this beautiful, it's just one sentence. You could spend an entire month on this one sentence, preaching from this one sentence. Listen to what happened. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now watch this. In that time, to throw a cloak around you was to take someone as your apprentice to say, you're going to take my place. You're going to take my place. I'm going to throw my cloak around you. I'm going to give you my jacket. You're going to take my place. That's what that was like. But here, let me ask you something. How long, do you remember how long Elijah had been on the run? Three years. That's exactly right. Three years. Anybody know how much Tide was around or Dawn or cleaning products were around? Anybody know? No? Yeah, none. Three years of living on the lamb. Three years of living in scarcity. Three years of running away, trying to save his life. You know that that cloak was dirty and dingy, ripped and torn in tatters. You know that that cloak had seen better days. This smelly, dirty cloak that he slept in for three years was the one that he wrapped around the rich kid. And he wraps it around him. Elijah must be stunned because God is not only giving him a call, he's giving him how it's going to be. You live a life of leisure. You live a life of security. Your idol is security and making sure that everything goes your way. Your idol is making sure that your health is fine and that your loved ones are fine. Your idol is all that. But what I'm going to give you is a cloak of rags. I'm giving you the call. You will be the prophet and I'm giving you the way it's going to turn out. Poverty, scarcity. Are you too good for a call like that? Or do you care too much about your security? Do you care too much about things going well? No, 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 no. He puts a cloak around him and just walks away. And you know that Elisha had to wrestle with the idea of what he was presenting to him because he had to run. In the very next verse, he has to run to catch up to him. You know it took some time. Elijah puts the cloak around him. We don't know how long he stood there. And the guy senses the cloak, recognizes that this is a different kind of call. This is a different kind of plan for my life than I had for myself. And he just stays there. And we don't know how long Elijah stays there. But eventually he just goes. And he walks away. And Elisha has to wrestle with that call. Beloved, God is going to call you. And you may have to wrestle with that call. And it might not be what you wished it would be. Some of us, some of us get the call of like an Isaiah and we're in king's palaces, informing and instructing kings. And some of us get the call of a Jeremiah who literally gets thrown into a sewer and punched in the face every time he speaks God's word. He throws the cloak around him. Elisha has to wrestle with this idea. Is it going to be my way or God's way? Am I going to do me or am I going to do God? Is it going to be God's plan and future or am I going to stay in control? 
Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he just has a moment and he says, come on, man. Just give me a minute. This is a lot to take in. And he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. Then I will come with you. And I love Elijah's response. He says, go back. What do I have to do with you? This is so powerful. Listen to me. He's going, dude, I didn't call you. God called you. This is your response to God. You're not answering to me. What do I have to do with you? Listen, God called you. I, I, I might not have chosen you. But God called you. What do I have to do with that? Do with God's call whatever you will. Recovery House of Worship, listen to me. Do with God's call whatever you will. Go ahead and throw it away. Go ahead and act like you can't hear. Go ahead and go back to your safe and secure life. Go ahead. What do I have to do with you? If God is calling you, and he is, It's your responsibility to answer that call. And every excuse that you put up before him is just nonsense and lies to protect your idols. God is calling, and we're out of time. So Elisha left him and went back. I'm just going to tell you this briefly. We have no time left. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. I don't know how much time that took. I know that took a while, but here's what Elijah does. Elijah goes back, and he burns his bridges. He goes, I'll have nothing to come back to, because anybody who's that wealthy, who just received a call to be a prophet in poverty, anybody who goes, knows that if they still have all their wealth in some box somewhere, they're going to be tempted to go back to security, to go back to comfort. They're going to be tempted to go back to what they already know when stuff gets hard. So what Elisha does is he burns his boats. He burns the plowing equipment. He, he uh, sacrifices the animals. He feeds them to the people. This must have been the party to end all parties. We're talking about 24 oxen. This must have been, this must have been a once-in-a-lifetime party. The people must have eaten for days. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now, briefly. Let's talk about this. God calls everyone. God has two calls for everyone. Two calls. Somebody say two calls. The first call is to call to be with himself. The call to be and walk in Christ. That's the first call. 
Then he call, so the first one is he calls you to be. Then he calls you to do. But if you flip those, you'll have a miserable existence. I can tell you with great assurance that I've done most of my call at to do rather than to be. And so what I did was when the church, God called me. Let me tell you my, my story real briefly. God called me into the ministry. Listen to me. I have a sixth grade education. Not anymore. That's not true. I have a master's degree. Praise God. But up until last, up until last year, this time last year, I had a sixth grade education. Okay? I finally got a union job in my neighborhood. That was the dream. Get a good union job that has lots of benefits. That's the dream. If you got, if like you were a bus driver, if you were a fireman, like, you know, that's the dream. Get, hit that mark and you're, you're good because you're, security was the big deal. You got to be secure. And they give you health benefits and, and 401ks and all the stuff that normal people have. I had just gotten a union job. They gave me the union job, and I started to accelerate faster than anybody else in that company's history. And it was a company that had been around for a long time. And I started to move up. And then, so I was a, a porter, a handyman, a doorman. And then they went ahead and offered me a building, a luxury apartment complex. It had around 300 apartments. So I was going to be the super to 300 apartments. The job itself was going to be about, more or less, $100,000 a year. You gotta understand, I got a union position. I'm making good money. This is, this is easy street for me and my family. Up until that point, the most I had ever made in my entire life was $23,000. That's the most my family had ever made. That's my wife and me put together. $23,000. That was the most I ever made. But God had started this thing called the Recovery House of Worship. And we started it in this little, this little um, uh, kitchen. Dennis, you were there. <laughs> then I just remembered that. You were there. Then, is there anyone else who was at that kitchen? Raymond, you were there. Dennis. And so two couples, Ray and Valerie Ramos, me and Liz, were sitting, and we, we sensed God's calling. So we sense the calling, and we start moving towards that calling. And then, and then they offer me $100,000. Listen to me. And all of life hinges, my life, hinges on that moment. And so let me tell you what they were offering. They were offering uh, a luxury apartment. They were offering about uh, $35,000 a year. So the luxury apartment was about $35,000 uh, a year, a little bit more than that, maybe $40,000 a year for the luxury apartment. It was about 20 years ago. Um, they were offering me about $35,000. You get about $20,000 um, $20, $25,000 in uh, bonuses at the end of the year. Anybody who works in a building like as a doorman knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's 350 uh, units, so that's a lot of bonuses. And then the, you know, the, the perks and all that other stuff, it was about $100,000 a year. Okay, listen to me. In that moment, you have a choice. This was one of those moments where God had to step in. And so I didn't have the choice. God, God took the choice from me because he gave me his call. 
and he called me through Psalm 121. And I don't have the time to tell you all of it, but I can tell you that God called me. And that it was that call that sustained me during the dark times, during the lean times. Now, the world promised a luxury apartment complex, secure money. Let me tell you what God promised. Well, God didn't promise that. I think if he told me, I don't know how obedient I would have been. Let me tell you what God gave me. God gave me homelessness twice. Once for two years, the other time for eight months. God gave me no pay the first three years we were planting this church. Zero dollars. How are you going to live? Jesus. Zero dollars. Jesus provided every, still provides, till this day, Jesus provides every meal. But he provided, he did a, a real hat trick. He provided it without me earning one penny. He provided every penny that we had. He's the one who provided the medical coverage. He was the one who gave the security. And I'm telling you, there were times where I broke down. There were times where literally I couldn't scrap up $15 to send my first son to his piano lesson. $15 was too much. Looking in the cushions, getting the change, couldn't scrap up $15 to send him. And how broken I was. And for the two years that I was homeless, how broken I was. Listen to me. Listen to me. But I've had the privilege of living out God's call. And this jacket, this jacket probably cost four bucks. And, this, and these shoes, they were given to me. Socks, too. Here's the point. The point, the point, the point is not that I'm a hero. The point is that God's call was far better. I would do it all over again. There's nothing like doing the purpose of God. And as a result, and so maybe, 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 what if, what if, what if, what if, what if God has a call for your life? And it looks different than the plan that you have for your life. And what if, I don't know, maybe one or two of you, maybe three of you, have been blessed because of the call that God put on my life. Maybe. But what if there's more than that for you? See, you can go on the rest of your life, living the rest of your life for yourself, or you can live for God. Now, God calls you to himself, and then he calls you to a specific thing. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. God gave Elisha three different people to call. Two were, became um, leaders in uh, secular society, kings, in fact, and then one was them, got into professional ministry. So don't hear me say that every one of you has to be a missionary or a pastor or something like that. But here's what I'm telling you. God is calling you. And I don't know if God is calling you to be the, the, uh, the pastor of your uh, uh, factory. I don't know if God is calling you to be the missionary within your uh, business. I don't know, but, but I'm telling you, God has a call for you in your life. And until you are with God long enough to find out what that call is and how it gets lived out, you will not, you simply won't be living your call or your purpose in life. My encouragement to you, listen to me, my encouragement to you is that you would this day go, God, I want that call. I want your call. And I'll stay at your feet. Let me just tell you this last thing. Elijah gets called to be a prophet. A prophet like Elisha gets called to be a prophet. A prophet like Elijah 
Listen to me. And he gets the call. You know when he finally becomes a prophet? Does anybody know how long it took? 18 years. 18 years. You see the last line here? Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Literally, Elisha became Elijah's valet for 18 years. But when you say yes to God, God first has to prepare you before he can send you. Before you go, you have to be. And God is calling you. So, what, what can I tell you? My first, my first call would be to those of you who need Christ as Lord and Savior. And here's, here's the call. God calls you to be with himself. Now, how could Elisha respond to that call? He could respond to that call because he had a great God. He got a chance, and I can't go into this story, but he got a chance to see Elisha get taken up into heaven. Listen to me. You and I, you and I serve one who came from heaven and lived the life that you should have lived. You know the right things that you should have done? You know the bad things you should have avoided? That guy came from heaven to earth to live the life that you should have lived. And not only that, to die the death that you deserve, the punishment that you deserve, God took on himself. Elisha saw his master be taken up into heaven. You and I get to see our master come down, the king, the master of all masters, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all gods. He doesn't just look down from heaven and say, do better, try harder. What he does is he comes down and he does it for you. And so now I can fulfill my call. Why? Because I'm such a great communicator? Because I'm such a fantastic pastor? If you've been sitting here for the last 30 minutes, you know that's not true. Listen to me. The reason I can do this is because he's enough. And he could speak to your hearts. And he can call you to himself. And he could speak to your heart. He could be the pastor of your soul. That's why. And that's why you and I could live out God's call. Because not only did he come from heaven to earth to live the life that we should have lived and die the death that we deserve to die, but then he rose on the third day. And you know what he did? He rose to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to live in us so that we could live out God's call and be with God. We have a better call than even Elisha has. So the first one is the call to be with God. Did you notice? He was called to be with Elisha. So if you want, so how do I do that? Because I don't have a prophet like Elisha, and you can't stay over my house. So what are you going to do, right? Well, here's what you do. He had Elijah. What, did, what was Elijah to him? He was simply a proclaimer of God's word. That's all that prophets were. Prophets told people about God. Priests told God about people. Make sense? Right? So what he had was Elijah. You and I have far more than that. We have God's word. And so you got to, if you're called by God, you got to spend time in his word. You got to ask God to open up his word. You got to ask God to reveal his word to you. Let him pierce your heart before he sends your feet. And then the second thing is you got to tell God, God, whatever you want. I want you to know, si, senor. My response to you is yes. I don't even know what you're going to say. I want you to know. 
Yes. Yes. So if you're here, I want you to come to Christ. If you've been serving, I want you to be encouraged. But I have a call. For those of you who not just want to respond to God's call, you already have God's call in terms of being with him. That's fine. But for those of you who will say, yes, God, no matter what you say, this is going to be the year that I am going to pursue you for whatever my call is. And then once he reveals it, even if it takes 20 years to see it come to fruition, I want to do that. I want to respond to your call. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it entails. But I, I, whether it's staying at my job and discipling all the people at my job, whether it's starting a business or closing a business down, whether it's going into professional ministry, or I don't care. I don't care what the call, what do I have to do with you? But if you're determined to respond to God's call because he responded to the call to save your soul, you're responding to his salvation and to a specific call, then I urge you, respond. So here's how we're going to do it. Musicians are going to play. And um, for those of you who want to Respond to God's specific call. God, I don't care if you call me to a gutter. I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. If that's you, I want you to stand where you are. Okay. I know this is not for everyone. It doesn't need to be for everyone. Just if you're serious. Now, the reason that you can respond to God and the reason that you could live out your call is because Jesus already gave you his righteousness. Jesus already gave you his love. But now here's what I want you to do. If you're going to respond to God's call, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to walk to the front. I want the rest of the church to pray for you. Pastor Ray. I would love for you to pray for these men and women. Listen to me. The reason that we can respond to God's call is not because we want to get God to like us or not because we want to get more brownie points from God or not because we want to get God to approve from us, approve of us. The reason that we can respond to God's call is because God responded to his own call, coming down, dying for us. So now we're not trying to get God to like us. Now we're not trying to get God to save us. Now we're not trying to get God to secure us, but we're responding to his security. We're responding to his love. We're responding to his call. And we can do it in the salvation that's brought in Christ. We can all be glorious failures for his glory.